This is part two of our story about the voice of the Dallas Cowboys for the better part of the last 45 years, Brad Shan. When we left off last week, Brad had started his broadcasting career in Dallas as a young, quote, punk newsman who also wanted to do sports. He pestered his bosses into submission, finally, about sports, and eventually became the voice in this market that began sports call-in talk shows, which in turn paved the way for others after him like Randy Galloway and Norm Hitzkus. And despite, well, lots of things like an orange gremlin and having a brief dalliance about being a lawyer, and despite the fact that he now resided in Chicago, and despite the fact that some were not high on his overall attitude, well, despite all of that, in 1976, the tormented but extremely talented Brad Sham started his Cowboys career as the voice of the Dallas Cowboys. Here's Cowboys legendary quarterback, Tony Romo. When I first came to the Dallas Cowboys in 2003, I knew who Brad Sham was. For some reason, the voice of the Dallas Cowboys resonated across the country, not just in Dallas. And I sought out Brad just to learn about the history of the Dallas Cowboys. I love the history, the great players, legendary moments, and nobody knew the tales better than Brad. And I just befriended him because I wanted to know all about those great moments and times and the great stories, the stuff that he had in his vault that, you know, he might only share to a handful of people and then a lot of stuff he shares to everybody. But when I think of Brad, I think of somebody who's very generous, someone who's very honest, somebody who loves the Dallas Cowboys with all of his heart and someone who reminds me of almost a Vince Scully where you can picture a Brad Sham with one franchise and you go, there's the voice that I heard. And if you're a Cowboy fan across the country, you've heard that voice before. Sometimes you can't even pinpoint. You don't even know how or where something that, wait, I know that. And I don't think Brad Sham quite knows the effect he's had on a number of people out there. And I think people would be pretty excited just to hear that voice walking by one day on the street. It'd be one of those moments you have nostalgia and look back in your life and you're like, I really miss that. I love that. He's done such an incredible job. Hooray to Brad Sham, one of the great ones. In the middle of the 1976 season, NFL season, I packed up all my worldly possessions in my orange and drove from Chicago to Dallas the day the Cowboys were playing the Bears. And I listened to the first half of the game on, it was probably WGN at the time, and the second half on KRLD. And that week I started at KRLD and doing color with Vern on the Cowboys was only a small part of the job. You will remember from part one of this story that Brad's first touch of genius in this market for sports was driving his bosses at radio station WRR crazy so they would let him do a call-in sports talk show, which they finally did, and he was excellent on that show. Now, four years later at KRLD, he is on the Cowboys broadcast team, but he has many other jobs, including another sports talk show, plus being the assistant sports director to Frank Gleber, which meant you do all the sports that Frank doesn't do. His new job was a big job, and talking during the Cowboys games was just a small part of it. Plus, there was also the Vern Lundquist issue. The basis for my enduring friendship with Vern is that when they called me back and hired me, I called Vern 
I said, I know you don't want me to have this job and I know that you are stuck with me. And what I'm calling to say to you is that I don't believe that I'm the same person that was in town before who you knew and didn't want to be around. And what I'm asking you for is an opportunity to prove that. And if you give me the opportunity and you still don't want to work with me, then we'll figure that out. And, and he did. He did exactly that. I just don't even begin to know how to tell you how much that meant to me and shaped me and is the very basis for, for my undying affection for him. Vern Lundquist is a name that you've heard before. He is affectionately known in broadcast circles as the Golden Throat. He has authored many famous calls for iconic sports moments, like Jack Nicklaus's birdie putt at the 17th hole at Augusta to take the outright lead for the first time at the age of 46, when as the putt was rolling towards the hole, Vern called, maybe, yes, sir! And Tiger Woods unlikely chip in at the 16th at Augusta in 2005 to help secure another green jacket. He chipped it up the hill, you remember, and then it began to roll backwards. Here it comes. Oh my goodness. Oh wow. In your life have you ever seen anything like that? But prior to those calls and countless others, Vern was the play-by-play man for the Dallas Cowboys broadcast on KRLD Radio in Dallas, Texas, because... He was the big-time sports anchor in town then at WFAA Channel 8. And Tex Schramm loved the big-time sports TV anchor. Plus, Vern was very good at his job. And also, he was a man of his word for our young Brad Sham. As I had done when I was at WRR in the early 70s, I just got myself credentialed for everything. Now I'm a full-time sportscaster, but it's me and Frank Lieber. That's it. Now, of course, the Rangers are here. No Mavericks yet, but I, I went to every Ranger game. I went to every football, college practice, college basketball. The broadcasting business can be redundant. When you're doing a good show or calling games well and you begin to carve out your spot, well, if it's going well and stations are making money from what you do, then you get to keep doing it. Much like any other job, I suppose. Have success, don't piss anyone off, and you can keep doing what you're good at. Brad was great at the call-in sports talk show and was getting good at calling Cowboys games. But he also loved his work, and so he covered every sport in Dallas on top of his other assignments. He was dedicated. In 84, Vern moved to the NFL, so I moved over one chair, started doing play-by-play. That happened in June, so we had a rotating color commentary chair for that year. Former players mostly, but Tech Schramm had an inviolable rule that the number one ranked television sportscaster in town would be on his broadcasts. You know, Vern had left and they were using the rotating color analyst. Dale had moved into that spot I get a call from Tech Shram. In the back of my mind, I knew that this was a great opportunity because Shram always liked having somebody on TV associated with the Cowboys. That familiar voice is Dale Hansen, the two-time sportscaster of the year, and at this point, his WFAA TV job was most likely going to put him in the booth for Cowboys games alongside Brad Sham. Uh-oh. 
Dale was at Channel 4 before he was at Channel 8. It was a CBS affiliate. So he would fly on the charters covering the games for Channel 4. And Dale was loud. And some people would say abrasive. I don't know that we were each other's cup of tea. And as I told you, Tech Schramm was intent on having the number one rated television sportscaster on his radio broadcast. So we auditioned all these players and Dale got the job. And I understood just as Vern understood that uh, Dale and I were going to be working together. And so I called him and asked him to come down to KRLD. So I go to KRLD and I sit down with Gary Brandt was the station manager. And they bring Brad in and uh, we're, we're talking about the possibility of, of doing this. And, and I said to him, I, I just want to tell you that I really don't like you. Brad looks at me. I swear to you, the first thing he says to me was, you need to know this. I don't like you much. I want to tell you that so we can be honest and be uh, get off on a completely open foot. And I looked at him. I said, well, that's okay. I like you just fine. And the reason I need to tell you that is because I'm not going to let that get in the way of this working because this job means a lot to me. Now, please remember, for completely different reasons, Vern Lundquist was not thrilled when told he would be working with Brad Sham just a few years earlier. Because of what Vern did for me, I felt like I owed Dale that honesty. So these cases are slightly different, but prior to Vern agreeing to give Brad a chance to prove himself, well... Vern was a bit more subtle in his bashing of Brad Sham in early 1976. He just told his bosses, no thanks on that kid Sham. In this case, with Dale, Brad went with the whole face-to-face, I don't like you pitch. And it worked. I think it's fair to say, we just just clicked from the get-go. I mean, for whatever reason. We had instant chemistry. And I think in part because we are different personalities. I think there was that image, certainly in the early days, that I was just this clown. And I didn't really know football. I didn't care about football. I was just out to be an entertainer and a a comedian and whatever. And and Brad and Vern were were pretty straight arrow guys. I mean, they were were right down the line. They had a tremendous broadcast, but you 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 didn't find much to laugh about, for example. Laughing during the broadcast of an NFL football game in the 60s and the 70s wasn't the norm. But then Dale Hansen took this town by storm, working fully against the norm. The fact that we were such different people might have enhanced our working and professional relationship. And I've said many times, and I'll, I'll keep on saying it, I love him like a brother. We couldn't be more different. I think I taught him uh, how to have a little more fun with the broadcast than he might have been doing previously. Mm-hmm. And I think he taught me how to work at it a little bit harder than I had ever done previously. The friggin' odd couple were in the booth calling Cowboys games, and lo and behold, it worked. I enjoyed every second of the 10 years that I worked with him, and I think it worked. And I know for a fact that that 10 years with him was about as good as any of my 50 years in broadcasting. I mean, it was just, we just clicked. It was a tremendous run. It really was. You got to give these two credit. Brad started what could have been a fight with Dale. He thought it was the right thing to do. And Dale could have egoed up and taken Brad on. They are as different as night and day. But they are both great broadcasters in their own right. And we all benefited from it for 10 years. 
I have always really relished having a good rapport with whoever I'm working with. Dale and I, we didn't have to fake it. We didn't have to force it. We didn't have to work at it. We just started with that place of honesty. And then I understood who he was. And he made it very clear that the job mattered to him. He cared about that job and he cared about doing it right. He understood that the association with the Cowboys was good for him. We never had a cross word in 10 years. I mean, I'm literally never a cross word in 10 years. That's a great run, but what happened after year 10? And meanwhile, I'm still at KRLD doing all of my other stuff and now the Cowboys, and that was 85 through 94. In 94, Barry Switzer became the Cowboys head coach. At AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it for turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone new and existing customers our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network's busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek. And we're both with... United Ag and Turf. Turf. The official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbent. Attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him, it projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self respecting cowboys, and Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com/slash cowboys. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. You see this coming, right? Jimmy Johnson has combined with Jerry Jones to build a juggernaut. The Cowboys won the Super Bowl in back-to-back years for the 1992 and 93 seasons. All is well. And then, egos clash, Jimmy is gone. And speaking of egos, here comes Jerry's old pal from his Arkansas days, the very successful Sooners coach, Barry Switzer. Dale got into a now famous little brouhaha on Dale's TV show in training camp, which Dale loved because it was such great television. I knew he was having trouble with Butch Davis and Joe Avizano and Hudson Houck and a bunch of the guys on the staff. And I was dumb enough to say so. And then that was the end of it. 
Dale had his TV platform at WFAA to tell us all what he thought about the tenuous situation for the new coach Switzer with his Cowboys coaching staff. But he didn't bring his feelings to the Cowboys radio network because, well, that would be crossing a line even he didn't want to cross. But his good friend Brad felt differently. Again, uh, I had some other things going on in my life that left me probably not emotionally um, most in command of my reactions all the time. And so I defended Dale, that just the nature of what it was that Switzer was mad about. He, he wound up accusing Dale of making up stories, which was not true. In fact, Dale and I, while communicating with each other, we're just talking about the fact that when Jimmy Johnson left, there seemed to be a power vacuum that formed at the right hand of the king. And you could suddenly tell the assistant coaches were jockeying to be first among equals. Brad defended Dale on the Cowboys radio network, and that was trouble. I made the comment on the radio, on the ticket with Norm Hitchkiss, that Barry Switzer had trouble in the locker room with his assistant coaches and a lot of, you know, and, and of course, much of it was coming from Aikman and Daryl Johnston and Dale Hellestray and Jay Novacek and, and others. So I knew there were issues in the locker room. I absolutely knew there were issues with the coaching staff because I was close to Joe Avizano and Bush Davis and others. So they're giving me all these stories. We decided to keep an eye on that. and Barry accused Dale of making up stories about that. All of us in the media, by the way, were privy in one way or another to the rumors that plenty of existing coaches from Jimmy Johnson's old staff were not thrilled about the Barry Switzer hire. Saturday night, we come back on the preseason broadcast, and I'm doing the pregame show, like I always did, and Brad jumps in. I defended Dale on the radio broadcast. And I didn't know he was going to do this at all. And Brad jumps in and does an incredibly eloquent commentary in support of me. I, I was incredibly flattered that he would take such a position. But along the way, he called Jerry Jones and Barry Switzer liars. Now, I think Switzer, without question, you could call a liar and maybe get away with it. And I looked at Brad when he ended the commentary and, and we went to a commercial break. And I said, Brad, I, I appreciate the hell out of it. Um, and uh, it's been nice working with you. The loudest mouth drew a line, but our guy Sham was worked up and maybe in a bit of a dark place, and he jumped into the fight with both fists balled up on the Cowboys Radio Network. I said some things that included both Switzer and Jerry Jones, which were not necessarily fair. I think they were all accurate, but they were not necessarily fair. I knew that Brad had gone too far on the Cowboys radio broadcast. Not necessarily too far, just too far on the Cowboys radio broadcast. That did not sit well with uh, Coach Switzer especially. Jerry wasn't pleased about it either. He 
took me off his television show. We moved on from that, but as that 94 season unfolded, Switzer was doing everything he could do to get me and Dale both fired. And he couldn't get either of us fired, but uh, in my case, when the contract came up for renewal, the club could withhold permission to hire. So Barry couldn't get Dale Hansen fired for several reasons, but Brad had a contract coming up the next year that could either be picked up by the Cowboys or not picked up. The not picked up option seemed very likely now after the Cowboys lost in the NFC Championship game in 1994 to the 49ers. The dream of three straight Super Bowl wins was gone and eyes were on Switzer and his eyes were on Brad. We need options. At that same time, the Rangers had changed radio stations and their radio job working with Eric became available. That's not just an option, that's best case scenario because as you remember from the beginning of part one of Brad's story, when he went to college at the University of Missouri's broadcast journalism school, he knew what he wanted to do for his life, quote, do play-by-play -play for baseball. Now the Rangers were calling and wanted him to work with Eric Nadell? Oh, that's perfect. Eric and I had known each other since the 70s, and he knew of my love for baseball. I was a huge admirer of Sports Central. You know, sports talk was in its infancy then. And to have someone as intelligent and articulate as Brad doing a show like that was just eye-opening to me, because I, I don't think I could ever have had the breadth of knowledge to do that. And that is the voice of the Ford C. Frick Broadcasting Award winner, Eric Nadell, who has been calling Rangers games now for 43 years. And you will note the similarity in time that he and Brad have been broadcasting in Texas. They met while both of them were involved with hockey. Eric called the Dallas Blackhawks games when he first got to town, and Brad was a media member, as you'll remember, covering everything, including hockey games. They had plenty in common, most notably that they grew up in big cities, and they absolutely loved baseball. So a long friendship turned into a partnership with the Rangers in 1995. During that season, Mark Holtz, he had moved to the television broadcast. Mark Holtz had decided that he was going to switch over to TV. And at the same time, the radio rights were switching over from WBAP to KRLD. And Jerry Bobo, who was running KRLD at the time, and I came to the conclusion that, you know, if we could get Brad to do it, it would be simply amazing. You can tell the respect that Brad Sham had because in a top five market for a person to get a baseball broadcasting gig for a major league baseball team without already being well known in baseball circles was unusual. This was the only opportunity I was ever going to get because I hadn't done baseball. I did, I did a little bit on HSE mm -hmm. uh, in 1990, a few games. But I didn't have a baseball background, and anybody else applying for a major league job was going to have been a baseball lifer. For me, it was absolutely the opportunity to realize a literal lifelong dream. Brad had an epiphany when he was young that the announcers he listened to in Chicago that did White Sox and Cubs games did every game. That meant that they were at the games every day, and he wanted to go to the ball game every day a lifelong dream.
called Brad to, you know, gauge his interest. And I knew what was going on at the time, you know, with Switzer and, and Dale and Brad and knew that things were kind of delicate over there. He was instantly, you know, extremely interested. Serendipitously, there was the Rangers job available. And uh, I personally uh, am a person of faith. So I think that maybe there are bigger powers at play that provide a little guidance and some good fortune to tide you over from time to time. I'll go along with that. There were certainly baseball announcers more well qualified than I was to get that job in 1995, but there weren't any that had the local name identification I had and KRLD needed that. Brad traced all the way back with KRLD to the summer of 1976 when he went to work doing lots of jobs, including calling Cowboys games. So Brad Sham and KRLD fans went hand in hand. So was it just that easy to end up on the Rangers call? Here's Eric. Tom Schieffer, who was the other decision maker, uh, being the president of the Rangers at that time, insisted uh, that we do a game together. So we actually went into a studio and watched a video of Kenny Rogers' perfect game from July of 1994 and broadcast that game. Based on that, Tom and Jerry together decided that, yes, this was a very good idea. Brad and I have had conversations about times when TV or radio broadcasting might be nerve-wracking or intimidating. Calling your first play-by-play -play baseball game from a small room watching a previously played ball game on TV might have qualified, especially with the Rangers president lurking outside. But Brad and Eric nailed it. So bring on the 1995 baseball season. This is going to be a snap. 95 was the year we had replacement players in spring training. So the first 20 some odd games that Brad did were with players that nobody had ever heard of. You know, guys who were baristas and substitute teachers and iron workers were wearing Ranger uniforms in Port Charlotte and playing games. And we were right on the verge of starting a season with those guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what Brad had to deal with, you know, in his first spring broadcasting baseball. Truck driver Jackie Davidson was a replacement player that year. A big rig driver he was, who had been drafted some 12 years earlier, and he never made it. So was Mexican League star Johnny Manel and Italian League speedster Luis Martinez. With what we know about Brad Sham, he had studied every name he thought might have a shot at playing for the Rangers in 1995 because he loved being prepared. But there was no way he was scouting the Italian Baseball League. So that was a cruel twist to the beginning of a lifelong dream. I know 1996, however, was more fun than that because the Texas Rangers won their first division title that year. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping! At AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call. And teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. 
It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone new and existing customers our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek. And we're both with... United, United Ag, Ag and Turf. Turf. The official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. <laughs> well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. The night the Rangers clinched the division, they did it not by winning, but by Seattle losing in a game that ended while the Rangers were still playing. Brad was actually doing the play-by-play when that Seattle game ended and paused and said, Eric, why don't you tell the fans the news so that I would have the opportunity to say the Texas Rangers are West Division champions, which again was an incredibly unselfish thing for him to do. Unselfish and thoughtful. It would have been easy for Brad to have made that announcement in the flow of the game without thinking about it. But he was aware of a possible big moment to come, and he was not going to steal that moment from his new partner and friend, Eric Nadell. The Rangers had never won. And, you know, in their 25th year, finally they made it to the playoffs. A massive moment in Rangers history, shared in proper fashion by two friends. Brad. I gain from listening to him. I've said this in front of him so many times. I I think he's stopped being embarrassed about it. I'm a better football announcer today for listening to Eric Nadell do baseball. You know, he's my favorite football announcer to listen to. It's not the way he calls, you know, a 50-yard field goal or a kickoff return. It's the way he interacts with Dave. And the way that his personality comes out on the air, which is crucial in baseball, but most football announcers don't really bother with it. I learned an enormous amount from him, and and I still do. You can tell more about what you're not seeing when you listen to Eric Nadell do a baseball game than almost anybody else working today. The things that he understands about being descriptive and relatable are things that I'm not sure you could even fit into a textbook. Friends and partners with a healthy respect for each other. It's all going so well for Brad after three years with Eric Nadell on the Rangers broadcast. But our business can turn on a dime, and it usually does. Following the conclusion of the 97 season, Tom Schieffer, who was the Rangers president, called me in and he said, I think you're a really good announcer. And every time I hear your voice, I hear a cowboy game in my head. So we're going to make a change. 
it happens. You understand this, the vagaries of our business is it doesn't matter what you've done or how good you are. If the guy running the place decides he doesn't like your work, then you're not working there anymore. Now I'd been doing those games for three years by that point. I don't think I was very good when I started. I think I was pretty decent by the time we got to the end of the third year and I was getting better. But his decision was made. KRLD decided that they weren't going to continue using me either. And just that quickly, a renowned talent in our industry, in the fifth largest market in the country, has no job. Now what? I went to Nagano, Japan. to cover the Winter Olympics for the month of February. And I left without a job. I had nothing to come home to. A month to cover the Winter Olympics with the unemployment line waiting in Dallas. But knowing you, you embraced the Olympics and went to work. Doing what exactly? The essence of my job was to do a long form interview talk show for three hours a day from 9 a.m. to noon Japan time. And then at noon, I would go out and cover whatever they didn't have assigned. A three-hour talk show is right up Brad's alley, as we know. He brought sports talk shows to Dallas. Did you get to call any big events while you were there having your last meals? The highlight for me was going to do moguls. They said moguls is going on this afternoon. And because we were still affiliated with CBS, we had access to all the CBS television briefing books. So I had about an hour and a half and I immersed myself for that hour and a half in moguls, took notes on the track, what did I know? Took notes and got in a bus and went out to the venue and called the race live where Johnny Mosley became the first American ever to win a gold medal in moguls. Because no one can prove me wrong, uh, I claim to be the first person ever to do live play-by-play -play of mogul skiing on the radio. Yep, I'd have claimed that too. While I was there, Barry Switzer got fired. Ron Chapman called me and he said, do you want to come back? And remember, I didn't have a job to come home right. to. And I said, hold on, let me think a minute. Yes. And just that quickly, Brad is not only a ski moguls broadcasting legend, he's back in the saddle with the Cowboys. Um, Barry is gone, but what are you going to do about Jerry? I rehearsed for a speech that I was going to make that I needed to make to Jerry. I said, I've got to clear the air. We have to have an understanding. I, I, I can't have him thinking that I'm going to be a puppet. And so I need to say to him, I've, I am who I am. I have been for two decades. I, I can't be something different. And I rehearsed it and I was, I was in full battle armor and I was ready to go. It was early April uh, and I got an appointment with him in his office at Valley Ranch and I walked in. Brady, I never got to say a word. Jerry sat me down and told me how thrilled he was to have me back. This is where I belong. We were doing nothing but going forward together. 
there was nothing backwards to look at, and you're our guy. And I said, let's go. Jerry Jones believes in loyalty and family, and he's a smart businessman. And whichever this was, it doesn't surprise me that he was happy to welcome Brad back to the booth for the 1998 season. And he's been in that booth with Babe Laufenberg, his good friend, ever since. Hey, Brad, what's the season that gives you the greatest feeling of pride to this point? Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's the 92, 93 season. So it's January of 93, 94. And for me, you know, I didn't block anybody. I didn't tackle anybody. I didn't do anything. I'm blessed to be the storyteller. My exhilaration was for those young men who I'd gotten to know in Michael Irvin's case in 88, the kids that came in in 89, Aikman, Johnston, Tolbert, Russell, Maryland, and then Emmett came in 90. And so I just saw what they went through and the coaches. And so the feeling that I had was for them. We all remember that 1992 season. It seemed to have come in a flash, an instant. We knew they were good, but it was just three years earlier that they were 1-15 and and Troy Aikman barely survived. How could they be ready to win a Super Bowl in 1992? I doubted them because of their youth, and they mowed through the Eagles, then the 49ers, and the Bills like a hot knife through butter on their way to collecting the organization's third Lombardi trophy ever. That was, my friends, a great team. And now it's been nearly a quarter of a century that Brad and Babe have been a team. Here's Babe. The Beatles stuck together for eight years. I've been doing it with Brad for 23 or 24. It truly is, in, in my mind, um, Brady, it, it truly is a relationship. Well, we're so close, you know, the quarter of a century. And we also just seamlessly have had a great working relationship. It's a privilege to work with him because I know how, I know what he brings to the job and and I know what kind of a human being he is. So it's, it's a privilege to be able to work with my friend. Perfectly said, you guys. And okay, Hanson gets one more funny line. I don't mind saying this. I, I don't like Brad and Babe as much as I like Brad and Dale. <laughs> but I think they're very, very good. I think they're incredibly good at what they do. Babe sees things as a former quarterback that many, many times I've heard him make a comment and I'm like, Damn, I would have never seen that. Thank you, Dale. Hey, Brad, what about this year's team? This team is exciting. They have to toughen up and they have to continue to learn how to get past their inadequacies. They have more lessons to learn. The thing that is unique about this team, I think, is that they appear to be really, really, really close and unselfish. But I must tell you that the 2007 team felt mm -hmm. that way, and the 2014 team felt that way, and the 2016 team, and the 2018 team. And none of those ended the way anybody wanted it to, and I don't know where this one will end. The trick for the rest of us is to just enjoy it and appreciate it and let it play out. What a pleasure it has been for me to do this story. Thank you so much to the greatness of these men, Dale Hansen, Eric Nadell, Babe Laufenberg, and Tony Romo, for all chiming in on their dear friend, Brad Sham. And thank you, Brad, for telling us about your Cowboy life. <laughs>